It's time to unify and simplify the IT world. We are here to do that one podcast at a time. I'm Steve. I'm McKay. And welcome to the Interchange IT Podcast. McKay, welcome. Steve, welcome. I know. It's been like... A day. A day. <laughs> and I think I've seen you three times in various meetings since then. It's true. I'm kind of looking. We've got meetings. We like, do have a few meetings. Yes. It's funny. Early in the week, I find my meetings like stack up. Well, part of it is we were out of the country last week. We were. And so people are, they want, they want a, a they piece want some, of McKay. They, they want, want some McKay time. Face time is they what they some, want. They want some McKay time. That's exactly right. Yeah. I don't know how to put this, but kind of a big deal. I know. <laughs> Well, I think it's understood. It's understood. It's my wife doesn't understand. We that. are in your office. That's true. That's right. It's a good point. Or not in my. I don't have an office. You have a large cubicle. I have a large. You know what I discovered about my cubicle? What's that? Uh, I don't want anybody from our facilities group to hear this, but my desk is smooth. What does that mean? Well, it means that it's smooth. There's not pores okay. on the desk. So what it allows me to do is take a dry erase marker and take notes right on my desk. Oh. Yeah, you That's, can't do that. I, I can't do that. That would be. No, I, I don't even know what would happen. Laminate wood desk. I bake. <laughs> wood desk. Wood this desk, desk. costs twenty one dollars. So it's good to be here today. We've got a super special guest. I'm excited to introduce her in just a moment. Absolutely. But first, let's talk a little bit about. We always talk about something techy to start with, not yeah. necessarily IT focused, but just something in the tech world that we think is interesting. Well, let me ask you a question. Yeah, I'm listening to your question. Who is if you were to name two mm. or three people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who are most likely to actually be a Bond villain, okay, who would they be? Donald Trump. Okay. Um, number two. <laughs> um, I would say I know where you're going with this. Uh huh. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Have yeah. you seen? There's a funny an aside. Let's move aside for a second here. We're going to deviate. We're going to deviate from, from the deviation. <laughs> so I saw a funny Donald meme. Trump. It was like a side by side of Jeff Bezos. In 1999 or whatever, it was like when Amazon started. And it was like he was super nerdy, like in this little sweater and glasses and stuff. And he was like, and the caption was, 1999, Jeff Bezos, I sell stamps and books. And then it was 2017, Jeff Bezos. And he's clearly been in the weight room a little bit. Uh-huh. And he's worth about $40 billion more. And the caption was, I sell whatever I want. <laughs> and I was like, that is awesome. This is what that I'm is. I'm just going to buy an entire grocery store chain. Oh, and by the way. The way I want my groceries delivered to your house is from a flying blimp. Yeah, seriously. Did it's you hear about that plan? Yeah, it's crazy. The plan that, that he wants to have blimps flying over the cities and have drones flying and delivering groceries from the blimp. Freaking Jeff Bezos. I know. Well, there's another one. Yes, there's another one. And the third one, I think, is Elon Musk. You know, yeah. He well, looks like a Bond villain, first of all. He like, does. Like, just appearance. It's just that look. That's that smile with the squinty yes. eyes. And he's cool, but he's... Still so nerdy. Cool. Yeah, he's nerdy, but he's cool, but he's so cool you kind of want to punch him in the face. And he has that South African accent where you just like, you can't quite identify. No, he's, he's got it going on, this yeah. guy. No, no, if, if someone came to you and said, I'm starting, he's starting a new division called Elon Musk Volcano Layers. You'd be like, I'm in. Yeah, like, of course. You want all my savings? Here you go. <laughs> yes. And you'd be like, of course he's doing that. Right. The thing that's funny is he's got like Tesla and then he's got the rocket company. And SpaceX. Now, SpaceX. And he's got Hyperloop that he's trying to get going. And none of these companies have made one red cent. But let's be honest. He does win, win the award for best company name. He does. He does. For Tesla boring company. SpaceX. No, 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 no. Not those. <laughs> What's the... The Boring Company. Is that one of is that his parent? That's parent? that's no no. That is he felt that the tunneling technology that oh. we we're using to make tunnels 
was no good. So he came up with a new way to bore tunnels. I didn't know. So it's the boring, <laughs> the boring I company. It. I'm a genius. I think it's, you know, well, you're clearly not Elon Musk or <laughs> yeah, Jeff Bezos. I'm not, I'm not any of those. Or even Donald Trump. <laughs> or even Donald Trump. No, I'm not. Wow. So we were talking about, here's, remember I don't know. We were, so it took us five minutes to get here. Remember when we were here? planning this, this podcast? We're like, one thing we're not going to do is political stuff. We're like, yeah, it's a good idea. Don't do political yeah, stuff. Yeah, I just did. You just did. Still right in the pool there. <laughs> um, okay, so we were talking, and th- it took us five minutes to get to what we wanted to start with, but... So uh, Hyperloop, which is one of Elon Musk's yeah. sort of visionary companies, mm-hmm. um, is talking about perspective routes. Now, Hyperloop is, for those of you who don't know, haven't, haven't you know, seen this, it's basically, a, it could be above ground or underground uh, system of transportation that's essentially in a tunnel. The difference between that and like a subway or something is that it is absolutely free of air. It's a vacuum. Well, it's not quite vacuum, but it's, it's, close, it's close to vacuum. It's close to vacuum as you can make it. He, he, well, he, he did a study, and he found that you didn't need to get to vacuum. And everybody has right. trying, been trying to do this. And he's like, you don't need to get there. You don't need to get there. What you need to do is create a real negative pressure on the front and a real positive pressure on the back, and you're good to go. And then you use magnets to keep the thing level. What he's developed, remember when you're a kid and your mom goes to the bank and she puts her money in the little tube, and she puts it in the tube. And, <laughs> and suckers came back. Yes, and suckers Always. came back. Always yes. lollipops. I want to know if he's going to include suckers on the Hyperloop, because essentially what he's designing <laughs> is, is a thing. human-sized, human-scale version of that. Now, there are three different versions of the cars that I've seen designed. Yeah, I've seen the same. One is for people, and it's just rows, like think of a, in a, like in a plane. Like an airplane or yep. a bus. Yeah. Yep. The next one is for cars. So imagine you drive to a parking spot. The parking spot lowers down, puts you onto a hyperloop. Makes the sound like this. Yeah, exactly. And then and then you, you drive off, and then you just come back up, and you're in Los Angeles. Yeah. And then the next one's just for cargo. It's just crazy. So they've released some routes now, and we're talking about um, within Mexico, from Mexico Mexico City to Guadalajara, from Edinburgh to London in the UK, Can Miami I just say to Orlando. That starting with Mexico City, that, that that's kind of an obscure route for <laughs> no, those of us in North I America. I apologize. For that. So Chicago, I thought this one was interesting. All right, so we're going to so talk from have... Leogon, Haiti to Gonaïv. We can do that in twenty minutes. <laughs> exactly. Like wait, it's like wait, why are we trying to get to Hermosillo? I don't understand. <laughs> so um, we have then this one. I thought was a weird route to start with in the U.S. Cheyenne to Denver to Pueblo, Colorado. Well, you know why Pueblo. I don't. I'll tell you why. It's because where it's when you mail, you send in your mailers. Just send a self-addressed stamp envelope to 101 PO Box 101, Pueblo, Colorado. It's like that one. Uh, it's like that one building in like Rhode Island that's the headquarters of like 1,800 companies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or is it? Maybe it's Delaware. There's like yeah. one of these states that like for Delaware, tax laws. Delaware. There's literally like an office park, and like half of the Fortune 500 is technically headquartered there. Yeah, and they just have, they have a mailbox. Yeah, they have a mailbox. It's like that's genius. What do you do? Well, I travel from New York City to Delaware to get the mail. <laughs> that's my job. Anyway, yeah, well, anyway, so, I think Hyperloop is interesting, and people are saying, well, it won't work, it won't work, because it's going to cost too much money. I just think, look, 10 years ago, the iPhone was introduced. We didn't have touchscreen technology in mass market scale 10 years ago. Who knows what 10 or 15 years this looks like? I'll, I'll be honest. If Elon Musk says he's going to do it, like... He's a Bond villain. He's a Bond villain. He launches rockets off of boats, and lands sends them, them into boats. space, and lands them back, end up on robotic boats. Yeah, They're unmanned, completely, the whole right. thing. So if he says he's going to build a tunnel from Cheyenne to Denver to Pueblo, good on it. We should see if we can get Elon Musk on our podcast. Um, I, we're going to do something special. <laughs> yeah. 
We might even let Erica talk on we that might. podcast. We might. Erica is in the room and as usual not speaking. All right. All right, let's introduce our guest. So we have a very special guest today. Yep. So Amber, I realize that I've known you now. When did you start working here? Uh, a year and a day ago. A year and a day. <laughs> well, can, happy well, anniversary. Congratulations. So I realize I've just called you Amber and I've written your name, last name multiple. How do you actually say your last name? My name is Bame. 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 I was going to say Bone. Yeah. I was going to say Bome. Most people in America, if they have O-E in their name, and they're of German descent, it is pronounced A. To like BAME. The Star Trek. Walter Koenig from Star Trek. <laughs> yes, I, I know I that. Know I, don't, I don't know the reference. Yeah, before <laughs> we're going with it. Sorry. So sad. So you, um, Amber is How a... How you be doing a tech podcast? <laughs> I know. I don't know Star Trek. You need to find... I was going to... Th- I thought BAME is Star Wars like reference. in Batman. This is what I was going with you that. Yeah. Ice Skater reference. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm lost there. But we'll listen to because it it's a sports analogy. So first thing we do with all of our guests is we do a lightning round of humorous uh, questions that we want you to get thinking on here. So let's start with the lightning round, shall we, Steve? Let's do it. So favorite song? Uh, it Had to Be You. It Had to Be You. <laughs> I all love right. the Great American Song. Favorite book. band? Um, Queen. Seinfeld or The mm. Office? <laughs> uh, neither. Oh, jeez. Fraser. Fraser, okay. <laughs> if All you right. could be a character from a TV show that you watched when you were a kid, what would it be? Oh, I so do not want to admit this one. You have to. You have to. You have to. I'll tell you, mine, mine was Stringfellow Hawk. I don't know who that is. He was the pilot in Airwolf. Oh, we I discussed love that show. Airwolf. I love that He's a cello playing mercenary that flies a helicopter that can't get shot down. Who wouldn't want to be him? All you have the the skills plus you have the invincibility. Yeah. All right, I can do that. Let's be honest. When you're a kid and he plays the cello and he like cellos. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, kind of cool. cool. And he has a mountain. What do you say? Cabin. Catherine from the Beauty and the Beast TV series from the eighties. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember that. All right. No, that's solid. That's all because she's also a lawyer. Uh, and she's really smart. <laughs> and she destroys the Terminator. <laughs> There you go, too. Exactly. Yeah. How can you not want to be Same. Linda Same. Hamilton? Do, do I make up for not having the Star Trek reference? I mean, that's a good, solid 80s that reference. What's, what's your favorite breakfast food? Um, Chobani yogurt. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. I don't know. I, I want to talk about this for a second. So Greek yogurt, I feel like, is really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you know, do you know what they call Greek yogurt in Greece? Garbage. Yogurt. You don't like... <laughs> You don't like Greek yogurt. Have you tried Icelandic yogurt? You would really no. not like that. It's just, it has more chalk in it. It is more sour oh. as far Just give me some good old Danon or something. Just, you know some what? Play. Let's do this. Let's just leave the milk outside for a while. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Scoop it up. Put some chalk in it, and then we'll sell it. Yes. It's ridiculous. If you could max out your credit card oh. at any one store, yes. what would it be? And we're talking um, specifics. Like, we need to, you know. Yeah. So, like, one of, I can't remember who said it, but someone was like Cabela's. Someone said Amazon, because you can buy anything. So, give us a store. Probably Saks Fifth Avenue. Ooh. <laughs> I have a new one. What's that? Harrods. Oh. I, was, I was just about to say I Harrods. I just was in Harrods when we were in, in London. I, I went Harrods. into Harrods. I didn't realize that's a tourist attraction in and of itself. Yeah, the store. You can literally live there. Well, there you go. Like, food. <laughs> Tents. No camping, camping equipment. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Have you walked through Harrods? Yeah, I've not been to Europe. Oh, <laughs> but well, I have put, bought. Put Harrods. it on your bucket list. <laughs> uh, literally, like, what do you want to buy? Give me something, anything, right now. A goat. <laughs> you can buy a goat. They've sold animals from there. Someone <laughs> there has bought an elephant from Harrods. You know, you can rent goats here. 
I didn't know that. I was unaware of the renting goat. Of... <laughs> All right. We had well. 300 of them in Suncrest recently. You can rent goats to eat your grass. I had no idea. <laughs> wow. It's like instead of a lawnmower, you just rent some the goats. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into this. So we wanted to cover three things with you today, Amber. First thing we wanted to talk about, and maybe not in this order, but here's the three things. I want to talk about you. You um, um, are one of the leaders of our product, uh, product uh, marketing team. So you have a team that works with you on various different products, but you um, used to be the product marketing manager over our security products, correct? Yes. Okay. So we want to talk a little bit about IT security. We talked about this on our last podcast with Chris Gettle, who's a genius. And scary. I he scared not. me. He's, sc- he's a little scary. I could not sleep Amber's that night. Genius. I was I, I was not. sitting there looking at my light bulbs. I'm seeing, are my light bulbs hacking my network? My light bulbs are hacking Philips, somebody right you, now. Philips yes. Network. Second thing we want to talk about um, is you're a woman in tech, and that's unfortunately somewhat rare depending on the segment yes no problem no, as i said it got creepy when i started not mentioning your shoes so much um and then finally we talked a little bit about career path on on the tech because people who listen to this po- on the podcast or the people who listen to the podcast are it professionals who as everybody does wants to advance their career so advice from um, you or career path information is, is useful so why don't we start with this um walk us through your career path a little bit what you've done, how you ended up here doing what you're doing now. Give us the, the not elevator pitch, longer than that, but the, maybe the bus ride pitch. So I am sure this will come as a complete shock, but I was a pretty uptight kid, right? I'm sh- I am shocked by that. <laughs> I, I, I took nine classes. I was that kid who took nine classes in senior year of high school, no lunch hour. So everyone else is taking courses, like bowling Everything and stuff. else, all the AV courses, calculus, trigonometry, as a sophomore, all that stuff. Okay. My father wanted my brother and I both to be astrophysicists. That was his goal for us. Wow. Right? So um, I loved math and science, always have. Um, and I thought maybe I'd go into that. I thought I would major in music and, you know, to bring it back to the Hyperloop. When I was a senior in high school, I remember I wrote an essay about how one day I would travel anywhere in the world in almost no time at all and perform in all the symphonies. What did you play? <laughs> Clarinet. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, listen. Uh, I have more respect for music majors mm. than almost any other major. My sister was a vocal performance major. And I have to tell you, when it came, I don't, did you do it at all? Or did you do, like, how far did you go? I, in college, I, I, I played. Juries was, like, clear out of the house. Essentially, it's the end of the semester. You play for all the professors. Show them what you learn. Show them what you can do. And it's, like, justify my experience. Justify, justify your existence for being in the program. And I would move out of the house when my sister was getting ready for it because it's such high stress. So I have I, total respect. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That was not my choice, though. I didn't actually end up majoring in music. I majored in English. Um, I chose this little school in the woods, literally in the woods. My first year, I lived in a treehouse. Um, That's awesome. I feel like it's a podcast (laughs) right there. Yeah, seriously. We need to have you back and just talk about your treehouse. Yeah. It was, I mean, I could go nowhere. I didn't have a car, so I was actually in the woods and didn't, I was, got really excited when the garbage men would come um, to take away our 
refuse because then I'd see people other than college students. It was like the real world was out there, but I never saw it. <laughs> so with that, I spent three and a half years in, in the woods. And I am, and I, before I went there, I told my father, my, you know, grieving father that I had decided to major in English and all he was really concerned about was how it was going to make a living and I said dad I'll, I'll figure it out and I don't I don't want to be a teacher never did don't want to be an admin but um, somehow I will make money and I won't starve and, and you won't have to worry about me living in my well, car. let's be honest how many <laughs> how many astrophysicists do you know it's not like there's like this exploding field of astrophysicists you can become a professor or work for you. Elon you don't Musk. really live like Jodie Foster and no, you know, contact. Exactly yeah, <laughs> right. Either either you work for PBS, right? Or and and you talk about billions and billions of right. <laughs> or you teach, right? So anyway, I think you made a good call. Yeah, good call. <laughs> so you so you professionally though. So you graduated from Bard College. Is yes. that right? Yes. With English with a concentration. Yeah, in I had to write. It was writing. actually speaking of music being terrible. So, so writing at, at Barb was pretty scary too. Like you had to. It was pretty hard to get into their writing courses, and it was really hard to graduate in creative writing. You had to write a novel. Um, mm. You had to do had to do a lot of things. So, oh, Bard College is famous too. Professor X from the X Men. Bard. Yep. <laughs> That's, look it Perfect. up. Yeah, go. and Jean Grey too has a connection to Bart. So there you go. So I feel like we're getting our our, our geek. <laughs> so then you you promptly so moved. You're winning I, the award so for best geek like on the podcast. It looks like you promptly moved from this oh, very no. prestigious university and a major to managing a bookstore. So my parents, I, I was living in New York, <laughs> yeah. and my parents dropped me off in at Bard, and then they promptly moved across the country. It That's was a nice message to me. That's great. <laughs> so when I was done with school, I went there, and I, you know, you have to pay your dues, right? Uh, I was a college student. Walmart wouldn't hire me because I had a degree, so <laughs> I, right. so I was looking around, and I ended up working at a bookstore for uh, about nine months. You're so. definitely overqualified to be a <laughs> reader. <laughs> I don't know um, about that. You need to age into our greeter program. <laughs> age into it. But, so this is interesting, though. So you got you went from there and you started being a technical technical I, writer. I, I worked as an engineer slash civil engineer slash technical writer. So how, so you wrote what Whoa. what kind of stuff did you write? What kind of what kind of I, stuff uh, do you write? I I created AutoCAD drawings uh, for. Um, uh, civil engineers, and I wrote their uh, operations and maintenance manuals and that sort of thing. Okay. About. And you moved You moved after this, though. It looks like you went straight to an agency. Is that right? Um, so I got lucky. I uh, some There's an owner of an agency here in Salt Lake who was actually from New York. And if you're from the East Coast, you've heard of Bard College. And yeah. he knew the reputation of Bard. So when I applied for this job with absolutely no, uh, nothing to recommend to me, <laughs> except no experience in networking or anything else, he, uh, my husband actually, to be husband, worked there. And uh, he tells me that the owner came to him and some other people and said, doesn't matter, she went to Bard. So they <laughs> hired me. To, to this day, I you know thank my school, thank you, Bard College, for starting me down my career. Maybe we can get Bard as like a door. sponsor. Can we get Bard as a sponsor on this podcast, Steve? I, I think so. Bard, That's... great school. 
Day one, he came to me with about a five, my boss came to me with a 500 page certification course in networking and he dropped it on my desk and he said, I need you to rewrite this. And then he closed the door and left me there and I oh. proceeded to freak out. <laughs> and then I just started Understandably to do Understandably so. <laughs> so how did you, so, so from there, it looks like at at uh, that agency, you started to work with a lot of companies in software and in technology. Yeah, Salt Lake is, of course, you know, a, a, big, tech yeah, mecca, a big tech mecca, Silicon Slope. So, so did, is that where you started your? Because you have a lot of. It's not like you're just a writer, and I don't want to say just a writer because I'm kind of just that. But do you have? Is you started to get pretty technical? It would appear because you have some pretty darn t- technical knowledge now. Was it here that you gained that, or was it, it was. at your software company? Yeah, after so that? we did. We actually wrote their um, certification courses uh, for uh, engineers and presented them, uh, created their labs, and presented those and taught them and that sort of thing. We had a marketing work as well, technical okay. and marketing. But yes, uh, Niche Associates. I was there for a long time, and that and. And I had the opportunity to learn about uh, really all aspects of networking at a pretty deep level. So, Did you like the agency model? Because I've, I know a lot of people who work at agencies and they're like, it's fun, but it's, it's crazy because you're just getting such varied tasks that come to you and varied clients. What what did you like about that? And what did you not like about that? Niche is different because it's small. They've always been okay. small, so it was more like a family. Um, a lot of times in large agencies, because I've worked for them as well, you don't get a lot of the things that they tell you 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 will. You don't really get to generally work with different accounts. You have one account. You tend to be on it for a long time. Uh, you when you work for a small company, you wear all hats, which I really appreciated. Uh, you work for lots of different uh, clients, and you have to do. I I was responsible for the budget for planning for instructional design editing uh, writing I managed about 14 people at one point so you get to do a lot lot of of different things and I appreciated that and it looks like you started there's a lot of clients that are on this list that you had at that agency that are in the IT software space yes so that would became I'm sure part of your including this one including this one we were (laughs) Landesk right so you worked with Landesk Novell HP Intel Cisco Citrix I mean there's a lot of companies here at that point, did you see anything specific? You're like, okay, someday I want to work for an IT software company. What did you like about working with those types of clients and, and messaging to the IT buyer who are the people listening to this podcast? Uh, so tech, um, being a tech marketing writer uh, enabled me to pull together the things that I, both things I really loved in school. It was difficult to make the decision to major in English. I continued to take math and science when I was in college and I, and they were both my loves. And this has allowed me to pull together an aptitude for and really deep interest in science and technology and marry that with, um, with English, with writing. So that's to me the biggest thing. I love always knowing about what's coming out, uh, newest technology, learning anything I think is fascinating. So I don't care what it is, but uh, I find uh, it interesting to see where technology is going. And I actually really like that cat and mouse between um, cyber criminals and, yeah. and the cyber professionals. So I find it interesting when 
someone finds a new way to defeat technology and how that gap gets closed. And it's almost like a respect to him. Like, oh, <laughs> wow. I, I have said before, if I, you know, if I can't be the person who makes millions of dollars by breaking into an organization, I guess I'll be the one who works on defeating those people. So do you miss some of the creative parts of, of the writing that you were doing in college, like the writing the novel? So I, um, I, I work on that in my whatever spare time that I have. Uh-huh. It's still my major goal to to publish a novel, uh, but um, I find as long as I'm in marketing, you get to be you get that itch a little we bit. Get to you, be, uh, yeah. especially now where we're trying to move uh, more into a conversational, fun, connected voice with the customer. You get to do some of that. Um, so I, it's one of the reasons why I came back to. Uh, I was working for a company that was saving the world, <laughs> so they actually the, were the first people to uh, come up with a test for Ebola and uh, BioFire. BioFire. Yep. <laughs> but um, I and so I tell people, yeah, I, I left a company that was saving the world to go work for in advertising again <laughs> because I wanted to be creative. So. So, uh, so you worked at BioFire, which you said I mean it was a company that was doing incredible things. And then you went back to an agency, and then from that agency, you went directly over to here. Where did you pick up your technical not welcome a year ago? Um, where did you pick up the bulk of the tech? Because I've heard you in, in webinars. I've read your, a lot of your content that you write about IT You've security. trained my team. Yeah, you've trained <laughs> Steve's team to make phone calls properly. Where did your IT in-depth security knowledge come from? Like, where did you just pick it up along the way with clients? Did you... Like so you, it was all of those companies. How do you know so much? So even at <laughs> even at McCann, uh, I became known. I was the person who uh, learned how everything actually worked. So working as a content strategist, your job was to actually understand the technology. And um, Verizon Enterprise Solutions was my client, and of course they're um, you know known worldwide in security. They have the Security Report, that's one of the most respected out mm-hmm. there. So we. And they were breaking into new areas, breaking into software-defined networking and virtualized services and that sort of thing. So it required really digging down into it. Niche was the same way. Uh, you had to it, you had to really understand technology, the protocols from the ground up. Uh, there's a time that I wrote. I still have it. Um, it's a 40-page, single-spaced report on the history of networking, which is still today one of my favorite things wow. that I've ever created. So it, from back in the in the days of uh, the optical semaphore and the French Revolution, all the way wow. forward. <laughs> optical semaphore. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, this is this is a '90s reference. Did you ever see the show The Pretender? No. The Pretender was about a guy who was just this genius, and what he would do is he would go and read every book he could on being a pilot. And then he'd be like an airline pilot. He'd like pretend to take on that role of a pilot and solve crime. And the next day he'd be like a surgeon. Exactly. He'd read <laughs> yeah, the books yeah, on yeah. the surgeon. He'd be a surgeon. Amber <laughs> is the pretender. She is. She's like, she's like oh, I'm a creative writer. I'm going to write a novel. Right. I'm going to not write a novel. <laughs> right. I'm going to like write stuff on how to save the world from Ebola. Great. I'm going to do that. Technical security. <laughs> let's stop the world from bad guys hacking into stuff. Ah, no problem. <laughs> Seriously, it's ridiculous. No, it's actually. Kind I'm of, a little embarrassed. A little upsetting. Yeah, right. Like it's embarrassing to sit next to her. <laughs> totally is. Because I'm just me. So let's let's um <laughs> so let's let's kind of put a bow on this on the career path thing, Amber. Because we got a lot of people listening to the podcast yeah. who are in IT, but they're not. Maybe they're f- trying to figure out how to advance their career. Maybe they're trying figuring out how to try to or trying to um, move into an area of IT that is more has more growth trajectory. Um, 
I would assume, and we talked with Chris Gettle about this a couple of days ago when we recorded a podcast, is like there's a huge skills gap with IT security specifically. Like if you want to, he was saying, if you want a job in IT that pays more money, become a security expert and you go make more money. Yeah. Absolutely. Would you agree with that? Like any advice for the folks listening, just like, okay, how do you expand your career in the IT world? Because you've built, you've built a career in the IT sort of space for a long time as an agency now at an IT software company. As someone who is currently looking for a security PMM, yes, it is difficult to find people. So if you're out there, if you want to work for here, Amber, come here. To, this podcast is brought to you by Amber, who's now ZipRecruiter.com. <laughs> no, it is very difficult to find those people. I actually went to our recruiter and said, "Can we add, you know, preferred security experience preferred?" And he said, "Yes, but no uh, one will apply. it's going to be really difficult." <laughs> so, so is there just not enough people that know stuff about it? I mean. Is that literally it? Or are they all taken up? They're all like, oh, you know, they're I think like a lot of things, even though the world knew, um, to some degree, you 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 know where things are going to pivot, right? When it happens, it's it, it really seems pretty fast. And it's despite the fact that for years uh, people have been buying security products and security has been an issue, it's only recently that it really took off. So you have uh, lots of factors there. You've got people out there who are selling selling pre-built uh, cyber tools to break into your company for $20 a month. You know, you don't have to know anything about it. And you've got... Uh, what are those tools called exactly? <laughs> I'm just asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> You've got people like the the shadowy group, you know, the shadow the brokers. Shadow out bro- the shadow, shadow brokers. brokers. <laughs> we decided with Chris sounds like a bond, like a group of criminals. Like I bet, I bet, I know Elon who Musk it is. And leads. Jeff Bezos <laughs> with what's his name from Facebook. Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. So, so you, it's the twins. They're it's out the there twins stealing from the social tools. network. They're making it really <laughs> easy, right? So they made it easy, and and cyber attacks took off and people went oh right security is really important and so are people are companies or enterprises hiring like more IT security people or are they looking for outside like consulting help like just to get warm bodies looking at this it's or? hard to find the people in the first place because again it just sort of happened and so okay. e- even though people knew it, this was going that way it's not like there's a whole I suspect now you've got a lot of kids who are deciding to be cybersecurity professionals and they're launching their career and that's even degrees field. like you're degrees seeing it are in there schools. now it's like there's masters and in cybersecurity it's actually the same for me uh, with technical writing it didn't exist right I graduated before that was real and then when I came out all of a sudden and there was this world, and they're like, oh, you could be a tech writer. I didn't know. It's the same thing now. It's like, oh, guess what? Cybersecurity is hugely important now. So we have this gap while these new people get educated and become part of our world. So you need to turn to anyone out there who has the aptitude or any kind of adjacent skills. They talk a lot about today, a lot of IT people just in general uh, are moving to that space or being put in there uh, by their own teams and being asked to get up to speed on security to fill that gap uh, for them because there aren't enough people who are specifically trained in that area. So you think though with, with IT, if people listen to this podcast and they're in IT now, maybe they're an IT admin or they're a service desk admin or they're you know, whatever it is that they're doing in IT, if they gained a, a, a depth of security knowledge that would 
I mean, I think what you're saying is that would be the fastest way to fast track their career in yeah. all likelihood. If you are a self-starter and you go out and you get in a lot of places, we'll train you. They'll pay for your training. They'll, but you can also, you know, do a lot of a lot of it on your own. Just pick up the books, learn things, get enrolled in a course, get your support from the company to pay you back for your training, whatever it is. Expand your tool set, and you can easily get jobs in that area. Now's a good time before people who are, you know, have trained all yeah. along for this job. Where they, come where they graduate so, in undergraduate or graduate you know. degrees. Yeah, there's kind of this weird window here for four to six years yeah. where before the, the people in masters of cybersecurity start graduating, there's jobs to be had. I think that's, that's a great point. Um, let's talk too about. We, talk, we mentioned this off the beginning, but you, you've been a woman in the workplace for a long time. And we, at our, at our user conference every Let's year... Let's not say how long. Yeah, just <laughs> but, three years. Um, well, four. She just barely turned 21. I know, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. She's done all this... And she's only and 21. she's only 21. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but we have it at our uh, user conference every spring. We have a women in tech-like reception where all these women in IT gather and they talk about, they have a speaker come in and stuff, have a, have a little reception. The, but the thing that's crazy to me is we have 12, 1400 people at that show and there's like 80 women in that room. Like, right? Like how, what's, what's the deal? Like why are there not more women in, in technology, but specifically in IT? What do you think are the reasons there? Um, because if you look at like, more women are graduating from college than men now. More women are getting advanced degrees than men now. So why isn't it translating into tech and into IT? I know that's a gigantic cultural question, so I'll just throw that at you. <laughs> Solve <laughs> this huge problem, Amber. So it's from the ground up, right? Listen, if anybody could, it could be the person <laughs> yeah. who wrote Fix Ebola. And <laughs> exactly, right? So I remember for being in school, uh, t I had plenty of teachers who either said it flat out or intimated that uh, girls were stupid or unable to to figure out math and science. And where did um, you bury those bodies? <laughs> and it still exists, right? It's still, it's still an if issue. If I would have said that, that my mom think, would have think it's an Yeah, I know, me too. You think it's an attitude that is prevalent in just starting at the ground level, like people see girls and boys in a different way in terms of what they can That's accomplish. That's part of early. it. Another part is that because uh, because that continues, um, it's difficult for for women to to figure out that they can accomplish these things. But you also have the issue where at these top at these levels above, there aren't right now that many women who are entering into these fields. So it just perpetuates itself, right? Women don't have women to look or girls don't have women to look up to. There are so few of us in the industry, they can't then look to us and say, Oh, look, women can do this. And they like it. And, and it's it's something it can, you can build a career on this, you don't really have people to look up to. Um, now, I think there's a lot more reaching out to they've created for the Girl Scouts, a cybersecurity badge, actually. And, there you go. And um, they have a lot more opportunities to to work with young women and make them into coders and this and that. And a lot of people go out and encourage them to to break through those stereotypes. But the stereotypes still exist. And, and until more women come into these fields and can stand up in front of girls and say, hey, look, I do this. This is what I do. Um, then, I thought my computer was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, we do that, right? With STEM giving back, volunteering, we have the opportunity to go into schools or to bring them here and say, hey, you know, you can do this. Anybody can. And let me tell you what it's like and encourage w women to girls to pursue these careers. But you have to get to that point, And we are slowly. 
Yeah, we are. I mean, it's it's certainly slow though. So it's kind of like a self-perpetuating thing. But what is a I mean, what do you do at this stage to change it or fix it? Is it is it just a matter of because I'm we're I'm in the marketing department as you are, and there's actually a lot of women in the marketing departments of tech companies, but it's not in the IT world as much. Yeah, that's um, why I always feel like a poser. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> I actually no. told this to one of our PMs, female PMs the other day. I said, yeah, I'm going to talk about women in tech. But, you know, I'm like, I'm a woman in marketing. So, <laughs> so You're a woman in marketing, but, but let's be honest. you're technical. Like, that's yeah. the difference. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's totally it's, it's, yeah, it's different than, like, some of the stuff that, that some of our team members do, which is it's not like you're putting together – like, an like event. events, yeah. It, like that's what I think of in marketing: events, websites, yeah, right. Social marketing. No, you're like writing technical stuff. Yeah, I would say so. you're in tech, not in marketing. So, what? But yeah, going back to my question, what do companies do now? Is there any sort of proactive stuff that you've seen companies do that you're like, oh, they, that that encourages this? I think what Ivanti does now, and a lot of companies actually in Salt Lake do the same thing, is to reach out to those girls and let them see uh, women who are in these spaces and talk to them about the career opportunities that are out there and make them see that really, um, no matter what kind of feedback you might still be getting out there, because it is still out there. I think we <laughs> all know that. Um, there are plenty of people who will support you and there are programs that um, for free that will help you learn the skills that you can use in the future and show you things that you might really find out you have an aptitude and an interest in. So, How, how much of it is the, because I think you're right, I think it's actually going to take a couple of generations to finish yeah, fully. I, I, yeah. I think, yeah. well, I mean, I look at, a, I worked before here, I was at InsideSales.com. Yeah. And one of the things they did was uh, they did something called Girls Code. And what you were allowed to do is is you could sign up and you could bring your daughter to work for a week. And our developers would take the girls and for, uh, you know, the, the day, train them how to code. And then at the end, they'd have whatever they built. And one of the girls got good enough. The MIT flew. And she, this is like a 13, 14-year-old girl. MIT flew her out to MIT to show these students who were complaining about how hard it was to learn to code what she had coded. And I think that there's, you see some of that. I know we do some of the stuff with girls. We do. We do a lot girl. of stuff with STEM education. And yeah, things, yeah. And, and I think there, there is that. And, you know, my daughter was a part of it, and she loves to code part-time. And she's, she's 10. She's turning 11 next week. She's a countdown on the fridge. <laughs> but but um, I think that there's going to be, that stuff is, that's the long game, right? That's going to take us a generation or two to really get that going to the point where my son, who just wants to play Minecraft or play video games and hasn't coded much, um, she's going to, she, it, it's hard for my 13-year-old son to realize that his 10-year-old little sister can actually make video yeah, games. and he's just like drooling and playing them. But I think yeah. it's the long game. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. agree. I think that's true. And I think the thing that makes it hard in the short term is like if you're, Hiring for an IT position, it's not that I, and I'm, there's exceptions to what I'm about to say, right? But I don't think there's a, uh, this gigantic group of men who are like, I don't want to hire a woman. I just think it's like, not I have that. 80 men and I have three women that applied, and odds are. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, you know, I run our SDR team here. I would love to get more women to mar- hire, yeah. get more women. Um, I, what I need are good, qualified, Applicants. It's Applicants. just a numbers game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Would you agree with that, Amber? Or are we oversimplifying it as two dudes? No, I agree. But, uh, Let but me I explain think it to you. again. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about yeah, mansplaining. mansplaining. <laughs> here's, here's the real reason. Let me Amber. tell you. <laughs> uh, so, that's such a thing, though. 
And there's some of that too, right? I think so. There have been some studies done, even a study recently that showed that put uh, one woman, it, they put women and men in different groups, and they had them solve problems. And they had one woman with two men, and two women and a man, and one woman with three men. And they looked at uh, what happened in those situations, and they found that uh, if there were two women together, if there was another woman there, then they both felt more confident, and they spoke up, and they had some great solutions and ways to solve problems. And when it was just the one with the three men, they were more reticent to the voice their opinions. The woman was opinions. more reticent, the woman the was more reticent to speak in, out. Yeah, to say but anything and give her opinions. So I think that's part of it, too, is that there, when you, again, when you look around, nature, and you're going to enter into a field and you realize you've heard all along that it's it's just, you know, you against, <laughs> you're not against, but you and you've got 20 men in the room and that's it. It can be daunting to think, yeah, I'll go... Um, try to fit into that world. <laughs> I don't. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, any advice? If, if there's a, a hiring manager in an IT world listening to this, right? A director of IT. Yeah. <laughs> not, I, I'm not director of IT. I'm hiring you're manager. manager. <laughs> if, you're a, if there's a director of IT listening to this or a manager in IT support or something like that, any advice for them in terms of like, look, you, it, you like you said, it's, it's just inherently good to have diversity and, and equality in the workplace. But is there a practice that you would say do this or or say that number one yeah i would say and and uh much of our valley has this problem i because i've been to their websites find some way to have more women pictured now most executive teams are made up of men in, yeah, in right. uh, mm-hmm. the valley and that's fine if that's at your makeup but find some way then to put more of your uh, women on your pages. So whether it's pictures of teams or things that are going on that feature women in those pictures so that people know yeah. not only do we have women, but also um, some kind of uh, something that shows that they have the opportunity to be promoted because that's part of it that's too. They need to know that there's a path forward for women here as well. That's a great point. It's funny you mentioned that. Because, so I, it reminds me, I went to a marketing conference just three or four years ago and um, it was kind of a live review of, of, of websites. So people in the audience could be to this expert, like, hey, look at my website. Tell me what's good about it and what's not good about it, right? And the uh, guy who was given the speech, someone stands up and says, hey, look at our website. He goes to the website. And he's like, well, it's fine, except the only pictures you have of women on your website are stock photography, <laughs> are models. And the guy was like, oh, you're right. Like, it is, it's so true. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're a good point, especially in a... I have a, done this uh, looking for jobs. I will not apply to a, to a company no, like, that has no pictured women on, pictured anywhere on the side that, that look like they're actually working there. Right. <laughs> it's not like, oh, you're a model and in stock photos, <laughs> typing on a Mac, right? Makes sense. It's true. Any, any um, because we're running out of time, Amber, but any final thoughts on where you see this going like do you, it sounds like you think it'll get better but it's it's still going to take a little bit of time i do i think that there are a lot of efforts out there these days to dispel with the myth that that girls and and women can't do these jobs and there are a lot of people who are invested in making that change so i do think that over time i think it's already starting to change um, but i think it will take time for there to be enough women working in those positions for girls starting out to to see them and say oh yeah absolutely i should consider this starting at an early age this is something I can aspire to be. Great point. And just real quick, finally for me, and then Steve, if you have anything else, yeah. is on, on um, IT security, where do you see the next wave of threats 
looking like? Because Chris kind of gave us the history of the old worm functionality and then now want to cry and then um, not petcha, which was really weaponized. Where does where the next couple attacks, what, how do they morph? Any predictions there? And I'm asking you to see the future. But. I think uh, we're obviously looking, not obviously, but likely looking at a lot of uh, nation-state attacks on power grids and the infrastructure. And there's been testing of that for the past few years. Uh, I think that now that the technology is sophisticated enough and available to enough people, uh, that's the future um, is some really devastating attacks on our infrastructure on our and you've got of course iot we already know that um that uh, auto car autopilot uh can be overtaken that you've got cars on the road that have you know had been hacked into um purposefully in many (laughs) many times to show that it was possible uh you've got um well as chris was talking about in a blog post recently you have voting machines that have been rickrolled you have any kind of you had the target attack you've got a serious problem with IoT. And that, I would say, is the number one threat. The infrastructure and IoT would be the big threats in, in our looking to, to the horizon. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And uh, yeah, if uh, uh, you're interested, you want to ask any more questions about women in tech, email us. Yeah, email us. email us. And, and we hope to like, uh, we want to feature more women in tech. Yeah, for and sure. the, the thing that we actually were talking about—it's funny in relation to this podcast—is we're like, it, it's, we're six in. I think we've done six of these now. This is the seventh, and we're like, oh, we haven't interviewed a woman yet. Like, yeah. it's really like, it, it's hard because you want to make sure you have, um, of an equal voice for people on the podcast. Even something like this podcast, which isn't some grand huge deal. It's a huge deal. I it is say. a big deal. It's a massive. It's got you on it. It's got me. It's got Steve. It's got Amber. Erica. It has Erica. Erica in the room. Erica in the room. She has a microphone now. She does. It's not plugged in. Anymore. No. But Amber, any final thoughts, though? Any final thoughts before we close today, Amber? I think that you should give Erica a microphone that works next time. <laughs> Speaking of empowering women, right here, guys, right here, empower the woman who is always in this room to be on your podcast. So if you have a uh, a female in IT uh, that love to be on the podcast, reach out. Love to talk to you. Absolutely. Um, Email us, uh, interchangeitpodcast at ivanti.com. A big thanks to Big Giant Circles. You almost said the name of the band wrong. I know. A big thanks to Big Giant Circles. There you go for our music and you can find us on the interchange it podcast facebook page you can you can find us on twitter at interchange pod and you can find mckay on twitter mckay s allen and that was so that was sad that was sad mckay s allen yeah. What what's uh, where's the best place him. for connect with you, Amber? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Twitter? Where, what's your social network of choice? Uh, I've got a couple Twitter accounts. LinkedIn works. Facebook works. Okay, LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. I like LinkedIn. I do like LinkedIn. LinkedIn's clean. I, Twitter's just a mess. It it, it I'm is. Not a huge Twitter fan. I'm not I like I like the Twitters. Do you really? <laughs> I do like the Twitter. I, I just feel like Twitter's for celebrities to sell crap and for news organizations to just like who can show the picture of the crazy destruction first. Exactly. And it's not useful for me. I'm just going to say that uh, yeah. right now. Well, if you're... Yeah. LinkedIn, where it's at, though. You, you s- turned me on to one of the best Twitter feeds out there. Oh, I did. Yes, I did, didn't <laughs> I? We won't mention that here. No. No. Uh, and then you can find me at Steve Error, S-T-E-V-E-R-O-R. And with that, guys, good luck.
Career Change IT podcast is brought to you by Avanti, a software company that helps you succeed in every aspect of your job, including operational IT security, asset management, service management, and supply chain management. Find out more at Avanti.com.